0: Thanks, Jack. <sighs> Got to clean up a little bit here. So I filled to do that before. But as we take a look again at uh, another outstanding. Jack, I think you took my stuff. I'm like, I know my sermon, but I don't know it that well. I was like, let's mess mess with them real bad today. And I have it saved saved to my phone, but my phone's in my office. So, (laughs) oh, you know God is good. That's where you say he's good all the time, and all the time God is? Very good. Very good. Well, we see in this passage of scripture that Jack just read that Jesus wants everyone, and everyone is useful. And, uh, you know, when I, when I was looking at this passage of scripture this week, you know, I was like, well, man, how, how, how do you get them all excited about this? Because it's, it's like ding, ding, round two, ding, ding, round three, ding, ding, round four, right? That's what it is. It's the same servant over and over again this last friday night we got together as my family and i usually do on friday nights and we eat food that we shouldn't eat that we shouldn't eat and we watch movies and uh, this week was rocky the second week of rocky we had two last week three this week we'll probably do four next week maybe but you know the rocky movies is it the same is it the same movie just with a different number pretty much. Different people he's fighting, you know. This one, Avery got to see Mr. T and she didn't know who Mr. T was and she was like, Hulk Hogan, woof, he's huge and gross. (laughs) But we see again the same message that was being brought. Well, here we see again Peter and John, ding, ding, round two. Actually, Three. And it continues, and I know this passage of scripture. When we take a look at it, we go through and we we can and we can look at the first first verses or the first two verses or whatever. But I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you this time. I never do that. I, I know you're not used to that, but we're going to start at verse 22, and we're going to go backwards, and we're going to take a look at different things. But the first thing I want us to do is take a little confirmation 101. Okay. We're going to do a little Confirmation 101. There are four things that happened in this passage of Scripture and four things that is going on during this Sunday morning service. Number one is justification. Here's the quiz. Justification, what does it mean? To be justified is to be found not guilty. Okay, so we all got that one. That's justification. Number two, sanctification. Another, another big $5 word. Sanctification, which means to be set apart for God's work. Number 3 thing we see here, and 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 you I I hope you don't get too tired of me keep going back in these, but they're very these are these are building blocks. These are structural things that when we read through scripture, we have to be able to identify justification, sanctification, also law and gospel. Law is what we must do and gospel is what God has done and continues to do. Okay, that's the last one. And here's the fastball. The fastball, you know, the count is three and two, and here comes the fastball. The means of grace. Wow, you know this one. The vehicle in which God shows us his Wow, we got it. The vehicle in which God shows his grace, mercy, and love. They are found in three things. Through the word of God, through the sacrament of the altar, and through the sacrament of baptism. And in these simple verses, 13 through 22. 22 going up to 13. We're going to see every single one of them. Okay, we're going to see them being found not guilty. We're going to see them set apart to do God's work. We're going to see that there is a what they must do and what God is continuing to do. We're also going to see how God is showing them grace, mercy, and love. Are you ready? Yes, Pastor Luke, we're ready. Let's show it. Okay, here we go. The first thing we do, and we're going to go back and look from, from verse 17 to 22. So this is the first part here. We're going to look at from 17 to 22, the decision that was made by the Sanhedrin. Okay, They, they decided to call the apostles back. And so I, I, I said, we're going, to go, we're going to go this way and then come this way. They decided to call Peter and and John back, and the religious leaders warned Peter and John never again to speak about Jesus. The apostles responded, what did they say? We can't do that. We can't stop talking about this wonderful thing that we have seen and heard. We may sometimes, as human beings, we may sometimes be afraid to share our faith. We may be afraid that that by sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, people might feel uncomfortable or might reject us. But here we see Peter and John's zeal, their excitement, their fire. They had a fire in their belly for the Lord, and that was so strong, they could not keep quiet. They could not be quiet, even when they were threatened Have you ever had something in your life or in your your world that you were so excited about that you couldn't wait to tell somebody about? What would that be? Think about it the birth of a child. I just met the love of my life. I got a good, good doctor's visit. Praise the Lord. I got a new job. I just won the lottery. (laughs) Imagine that. I mean, all these things that we, that our human beings take for, that we are in love with. Here, Peter and John had that feeling about who they just got done following. And the Sanhedrin, the ones that killed Jesus, the ones that put him on trial, the ones that took him out, buried him, after they nailed him to the cross, I said, "Stop doing that." And Peter and John were like, "No, there's no possible way. There's no possible way we can stop talking about it. There's nothing that you can do that will stop us." So, how does that reflect on us? What does that teach us? And here, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this from Matthew ten thirty two. But if your courage to witness for God has weakened, I'm asking you to pray that your boldness may increase. Remember Jesus' promise in Matthew ten thirty-two: Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. That came straight from Jesus' mouth. You talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. Any Facebook people in here? How many people, when you put something out out there and people share it and you go, oh, look at that, they liked what I said. (gasps) Or they liked it, but then they shared it? No. My words actually had some meaning. This time, Jesus shared a post and it was the biggest, best post he ever posted. I love you. I died for you, and I'm coming back for you. And Peter and John were like, Just like, love, repost. That's what they did. And there's other ones where they're going, I don't like that. That bothers my spirit. We're not supposed to be talking about that stuff here. This is only supposed to be about desserts that you've eaten right? You know what I meant. Everybody puts pictures of their food. All right. Beautiful sunset, you know. But here they, they, they actually got on board and said, no, because it says Jesus told us that if we confess about him, he's going to confess about us. Anyone who acknowledges Jesus Christ publicly confesses faith and declares allegiance to him will be acknowledged by Jesus himself before God and before His Father in heaven. Jesus' followers would face earthly courts of law where they would have to publicly claim to belong to Jesus, and usually they would be persecuted, and guess what? Eventually put to death. Genuine discipleship always involves acknowledging Jesus Christ, whether or not we face persecution or pressure. Also, John, First John, chapter one, one through four. What a great part of Scripture! If you have your Bibles, First John one, one through four, way at the back of the Bible, near Revelation. But here it is: What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes that we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, made alive. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and what we have heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you may too Have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Guess what then they say? These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. What? Man, they are just going all in, aren't they? They are an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry. John here was qualified to teach the truth about Jesus. John was trustworthy and accurate. He He is emphasizing that Jesus Christ is the word of life and is eternal. That God made into this world, came into this world as a human, and that he, John, he, John, got to talk to him, got to touch him, got to hear him, got to feel him. But mostly, guess what? John had a relationship with him, an intimate relationship with God. And the Sanhedrin saying, stop talking about this. Can you stop talking about Cora? If I told you, for the next year and a half, you and Dan cannot talk about Cora at all. You can't show pictures. You can't say, she pooped on me. Even though she did. I saw that one. (laughs) You can't do any of that. You can't say, here's her first birthday. Nope. Can you do it? Would you want to do it? Absolutely not. She's like, whatever, move on, pastor, next point. (laughs) Seriously, that's a mom. This is those that saw the Savior of the world. And I'm told you can't say nothing. The decision was, we want you to shut up. And guess what the other decision was? Nope. Nope. Ain't going to happen. Not going to do it. Because Jesus trained them. Jesus had gotten into their minds. Jesus had got into their heart. Jesus spoke so deeply to them that John knew, because he lived with Jesus, he personally had personal contact, physical contact with Jesus, and he knew beyond any doubt that Jesus brings light and life. Those are the decisions that were being done, seventeen through twenty-two. So then, let's jump to the next one. The other one before that, verse sixteen. Verse sixteen says this: "What shall we do with these men? For the fa- for the fact that that a see for a fa- for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We can't deny it." There's a dilemma, isn't there? The leaders agree there's a healed man. He's been been lame since he was 40. He's, He's 40. He's moving around. He's dancing. He's telling everybody, and everybody saw it. The evidence was overwhelming and irrefutable. They changed lives and they healed a man. Jesus changed lives, and Jesus healed a man. The religious leaders refused, though, to believe in Jesus Christ and continued to try to suppress the truth. As we look back at at chapter 3, we see the whole account of what happened. The Sanhedrin did not just believe in did, did not believe in the resurrection, that they had and, and they had much to lose. Guess what they had to lose? They had pride to lose, they had fame to lose, they had power to lose, they had material wealth to lose, they were going to lose everything. Because guess what? They were the big dogs. They had it all. And if this gets out, we're gonna be in trouble. There's the dilemma. And it was deep-rooted in them. It was deep-rooted in their hearts, in their minds, where they did not know any other way around this. Everything that they had held important, in their in, in, or the things that they, that they thought ruled their life, was coming down around them. You know, today in confirmation, we talked about the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We should fear, love, and trust God above all things. Was the Sanhedrin? Were the priests? Let me get a mirror. Are you? If we put a mirror up right now, do we have a dilemma? What's most important in your life? Yeah, we can make this an all-rosy, very high-energy, high positive message, except for the fact that the real truth behind a message from Scripture is there's both law and gospel. Law is but what's going to prick us in the heart and convict us of things that we don't do that God's asked us to do. That's law. And then he brings gospel and says, I love you so much. Even though I know you can't fog this mirror, I got you. Here the Sanhedrin's looking right in the mirror, and they're seeing what they don't like to see. And Peter and John come along like a curb. What's a curb for? Put your car back on the right road, right? Put you back in line. You hit a curb too many times. What happens? You get to go see other people that do fix tires. Well, the curb here is Peter and John, and they're knocking the back of the Sanhedrin back into, back into line. Come on, get on the road. And they're not liking what they see. Peter and John are teaching the first commandment that Moses taught, the first commandment that God gave. So, when we go back and say, what happens when people are going to reject us or make us feel weird or don't like us anymore, don't be surprised if some people do reject you. Reject you and your positive witness for Jesus, because when minds are closed, even the clearest presentation of the gospel the con- clearest presentation of the facts can't un- undo the eyes. but i'm telling you don't give up pray for those people and continue to spread the good news so then we get to go to those last the last one the last two verses well three verses 13 14 and 15 is it hot in here is it just me Good grief. Verse 13 through 15. I love, and I'm going to read these verses because these are, especially the first one. 13. 13 makes me feel, God can use even me. Ready? Here we go. Now they they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. But they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the men who had been healed around standing around them, they had nothing to say in reply. But then they ordered them to leave the council and they began to confer. So let's go back to that very first verse. 13. Wow. The two apostles are sent out of the room while they get talked about. You ever had that? One of my first council meetings, probably not my council, it's probably like my fourth council meeting here. Uh, They're like, okay, Pastor, you can leave now. And I'm like, I'll well, leave. Are you going to talk about me? Yep. That's what we're going to talk about you. Out. But then Dan called me and goes, Pastor, everything's great. We just wanted to just talk about some of the stuff. Okay. Here, Peter and John didn't care. They're like, fine, we'll go hang out. But the council gets together, and they say, these two guys, here's the, here's the verse, are uneducated and untrained. Guess what the Greek word for those two words are? The first one, uneducated, agramatoi. What does that sound like? Grammar? That's where we get the word grammar. It means untrained or illiterate. How about the next one? They're, they're also connected by a chi, which is an and. I know, it's a geeky thing, I know. Untrained. Untrained, you're going to love this one. Idiotai. The Greek word for an idiot. Ordinary. Common. Knowing that Peter and John were... Grammarly problems and kind of an idiot. The council was amazed and they saw that what being with Jesus had done for them. A changed life convinces people of Jesus' power. One of your greatest testimony in life is guess what? Your attitude and what people see about you. You ever been around someone where you're just like, they're just fun to be around? Okay, maybe not. They're so much fun, and they have this glow about them. I've seen those people. Or let's go the other side. I don't want to be around that person. They invited us over. They are the crabbiest people I've ever met, the most sarcastic, and the most downer. The Debbie Downers? I'm not looking at you. You're just sitting in the front row, and I'm trying not to look at all of the Denevers. Even though I want to. You're looking straight at me the whole time, Pastor. You call me an idiot? No. Ed, I'm not looking at you when I said idiot. What people see and what people feel when they're around you is a testimony. Witnessing can be as simple as what you do every day. When you follow that first commandment, keeping God first, but also give us another commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Here, they see Peter and John, there's something different about these guys. There's something different about Peter and John because we saw even more and, and, and understand even more. But guess what? Peter and John did too. They understood and they felt even more because their blinders were on for so long and Jesus has taken their blinders off and now they're seeing everything and they're going, wow, this is what the three years was about. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 30 says this. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and everyone whom the Son wills to receive him. But then he says something, doesn't he? The very next part of that verse. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my for my yoke is easy and my burden is light jesus here mentions two different kinds of people the wise and the intelligent the arrogant in their own knowledge and the childlike who are humble open to receive the truth of god's words my question which one are you Because guess what Jesus was? There was nothing about Jesus that was attractive. Nothing. But people couldn't stop flocking to him. Because he was beautiful on the inside. And he had something that they wanted. Something that they needed. Guess what now? Peter and John were filled with that same Peter and John were just filled up and oozing out. Their zeal was exploding. Their their witness was on fire for God. They were so over the top in love with Jesus that when an opportunity arose, they took it. What is the difference between knowing and knowledge? Well... It implies to an intimate relationship. The communion between God the Father and the Son is the core of this relationship. Jesus had filled the believers with His Holy Spirit, so now we don't have just knowledge of God. We have an intimate relationship with God. We uh, we have Him inside of us, and He is talking to us, and He's telling us all the things that He wants us to hear. Five, seven Yeah, here we go. Here's one. This is what happens when God enters. What's just happened with that beautiful little yummy girl. Because when God just, the Holy Spirit, through the water and the word, entered Korah, this is what happened. Therefore, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, He is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. She's not just changed. Peter and John just weren't changed. They were brand new. That's what these 13 through 22, these nine verses are about. Showing that we are found not guilty, that we are set apart to do God's will, that there is law and gospel in all of Scripture that pricks us in the heart and then soothes us over and says, I love you because I am God. And then he shows us his grace, mercy, and love. And he says, you are new in me. Now guess what? Peter, what What, what am I going to say you think? You have to say it. I'm not going to say it. You can't remember? We're going to take it to the streets. I should play that Doobie Brothers song again, shouldn't I? Because Jesus has now trained them and put them into three different situations now, and they took it to the streets, and he still says, you're going to have bumps in the road, but still take it to the streets. Guess what the, the call is to us? To take it to the streets. To bring God's law and gospel, his grace, mercy, and love, to show that we are justified and we are sanctified and to reach those who are lost. That's the gospel message, right? Can I get an amen? One, praise the Lord. (laughs) Are are you hungry? I bet you you're hungry. I'm hungry. Hey, we didn't change the clock yet because I've been preaching for like an hour and 45 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your word, Lord, and as you show us in your word all the things that how you how you bring these things together to teach us, to guide us, but then to use us to bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, I'm asking that the words that were just shared, that, yep, they were yours and that they would go deep into our heart.